Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Uvoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today in the show, we have Lyle Thompson. Lyle is someone who needs no introduction. He currently plays for the Chesapeake Bayhawks and the Georgia Swarm. He's the record holder for the most career points in NCAA lacrosse history with 400 and assists with 225. He's a two-time Tawarton Trophy winner. One of those times, he was co-winner with his brother, Miles. He's a two-time winner of the Turnbull Award for the nation's top attackman. And this summer, he won a bronze medal with the Iroquois Nationals. During this conversation, you'll hear someone who, in his own words, fell in love with the game. We got a chance to talk about how he studies defensemen, how he avoided bad habits as a young player, how he plays at different speeds, and much more. Here's my interview with Lyle Thompson. Lyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get to talk. So, let's get started as I always do. How'd you get started playing lacrosse? Um, I mean, for for Native Americans, especially in in the two communities I grew up in, Akuzasne and Onondaga, mm-hmm. um, lacrosse is a huge part of huge part of our culture, um, and even even outside the culture aspect of it, because there are people who live on the reservation who aren't super, you know, um, you know, they're not, they're not super religious or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of them don't even know um, a bunch about, you know, our culture, but lacrosse is still a huge part of the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so right from when I was a kid, you know, my father put a stick in every single one of my brother's, hands and you know me being the fourth fourth boy um you know i i probably picked up the stick and and, um i had a lot to play with i had a lot of people to play with between my cousins and and my brothers but um right from when i was a kid i was i was carrying a stick right right from when i was walking um, i already had my hand i already had a relationship with with that stick and um my father used to game as something to to teach us teach us a lot about our culture and, and ourselves but mm-hmm. um, I didn't get into organized lacrosse until about seven years old my brothers were even a little older hmm. and the reason for that was just because my father thought it was important to he didn't want us to, to pick up bad habits in in those minor systems um, you know they call it paperweights or peanuts mm-hmm. where those kids are you know they're four you know, nowadays, you can start your kid at four years old, four, right. five, and six years old, and they're just running around. They don't even know how to 
I mean, some of them don't know how to scoop the ball up. Obviously, there's a, there's probably like two or three on each team that you know have some pretty solid skill. But mm-hmm. at that age, for the most part, it's just a bunch of kids running around chasing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted us to develop to develop stick skills right. um, first. But I think you know, looking back on it, on the way he taught a lot of things was just he didn't want us to pick up bad habits because mm-hmm. that was one of his biggest things. Was um, you know, anytime we picked up a bad habit, he was he was kind of there to let us know and and try to change it. Hmm. So, so for as long as you can remember, since you were born, you basically had a lacrosse stick in your hand, but you actually didn't play organized until you were, uh, you know, seventh grade uh, or seven years old, which is I guess around first second grade. What were you? what was he having you do or what were you doing with the lacrosse stick in between? If you, if you can remember, I mean, I, you know, I know remembering back past first grade is a lot, but were you just throwing around playing with your brothers? Yeah. I mean, um, for the most part, it was, it was a lot of just making sure we knew how to pass and catch. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it was, it was the same, same stuff you would do in the backyard with, with your friends. You right. know, you, you started with a game. But I think the biggest thing for, for him was, you know, like I said, those bad habits. Um, if I went and, and jumped on one of those teams, yeah, I would have the skill to to pass and catch the ball mm-hmm. at probably, you know, six years old or even scoop the ball. But um, I'd get in the habit of not not using those skills I had because of mm-hmm. what I was surrounded by. Right. But I remember. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how old I was, mm-hmm. but I remember doing over over the shoulder passes, mm-hmm. um, which which is where basically I, I run out like a wide receiver and and my dad puts it over my shoulder because mm-hmm. um, I was I don't know I think it was just part of part of his his process of teaching us how to catch mm-hmm. um, instead of just standing there and playing playing catch mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it wasn't super drilling. I don't remember it being super drilling. I remember right. it being a lot of fun. And, you know, my brother's hopping in that, then throwing me in that. And uh, <laughs> just kind of having fun. All my cousins played. I had, you know, a lot of cousins who were the same age as me and the same age as mostly my brother, Jeremy and Heine's age. A lot of my cousins were that age. So mm-hmm. a lot of times I was just a little guy running around chasing the guys, never really touching the ball. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah. So, who are the who are some of the players you know at, at an early age that you looked up to? Was it was it mostly your brothers? Were you trying to model your game after them? Yeah, I mean, um, we were a very close knit family, so I never, we never really watched you know college lacrosse or pro lacrosse. Hmm. That was that was for a long time too. Like, I don't remember what getting into college or pro lacrosse until I was in like, basically until my brothers start getting recruited by them schools, which was like sixth or seventh grade for me. Hmm. So as a kid, it was always just um, going to our local arena and watching those games. And my father played until he was, um, you know, 35 years old. So I was able to, right up until I was around 10 years old, I was able to just go watch my father. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, he was the one we looked up to. Yeah. He was a defensive player, though. 
and we all we all wanted to be offensive guys, but he would always tell us to to sit down, watch the game. Well, he would make sure we did that, um, <laughs> but he would uh, he would tell us to pick a player on his team and and watch them and pay attention to the things they do throughout the game, hmm. uh, and kind of just ask questions about what they did after the game. But I remember watching um, a guy named Mike Benedict from. A lot of these guys are, are, you know, guys who grew up on the res and, and um, you know, never really went to Division One or, or or played professional. Mike Benedict did play professional. I remember watching um, Jeremy Hollenbeck, who ended up playing for Rochester Nighthawks. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of my favorite players on my dad's team. Hmm. And then just the, one of the main guys was Brett Bucktooth. Um, he was a yeah. cousin of ours. and. Um, he was easy to look up to. He he always played at a high level. He with all the sports he did, he did at a high level, and, and his whole family um, mm. we were close to. So he was easy to look up to, and and for all four of us, me and my brothers, we all kind of looked up to him and and grabbed the grabbed the advice from him. Right, right. Well, Brett Brett's a teammate of mine at Syracuse, and uh, Brett's been on the show, so. Um, yeah, Brett is definitely, definitely somebody that's a good person to look up to. That's for sure. Um, but so you, you said that you didn't watch, you didn't watch any college lacrosse, um, until about sixth or seventh grade. So up until that point, um, were you playing, was it mostly just indoor lacrosse that you were playing? Were you playing any outdoor or watching any outdoor games at all? Um, I wasn't really, I was watching my brother's play mm-hmm. at the high school level um and before that i i played field lacrosse and that was a that was a league in syracuse called the bull league that we would play in there was mm-hmm. a team from from the reservation that had a team uh, my father was our coach and that was really the only field lacrosse i played i didn't like go to any big tournaments it was just that summer league we played in right it was box a lot of our stuff was box focused but um, I did play field lacrosse as you know, right in between the, that age from from second grade to sixth grade. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, at what point did you start thinking about you know playing lacrosse at the next level in college? Um, especially since you know you weren't really watching that game up until you know you were in sixth or seventh grade. When did this start becoming something that you wanted to do? Something that could be a reality. Yeah, I think I think um it was probably sixth grade. We that was when that was when my brothers were let's see, they were they had won a state championship their ninth grade year. Um and they had a really good team but they were also a big part of the team and they started to get recruited. And um that was when we start sixth or seventh grade was when my dad started taking us to the Syracuse games um, to, watch, to watch Brett. Um, Brett was there when we first – I think Brett was probably the main reason we start going to, to those games. Hmm. Um, and I remember watching those games, watching the Syracuse games and, and just being like – I can't say that was when I started thinking about Division One lacrosse because mm-hmm. – even college lacrosse because I remember watching them and thinking – the passes they're making 
you know, and we're just doing their, their open offense, passing right. around. Um, I'm thinking, like, I could never do that. I could never make passes huh. that long on the stick and and catch those. Um, but I guess to, to answer your question, um, once I got to seventh grade, I played JV. I moved up. I had to take, like, that, you know, the, the fitness test they have you do. Right. And I was with a lot of good players mm-hmm. my age. Well, really, my brother Miles' age. Um, and I was one of the better. I was probably one of one of the better players on the team. That was mm-hmm. James Cathers, if you ever heard of him. Um, a handful of guys that that did play Division One lacrosse. Um, mm-hmm. There was probably five of us, and I was one of the better players. And mm-hmm. I think what really drove me to to start looking at Division One or even college lacrosse was that my brothers were getting recruited. Um, so I think for me, that's, that's when it kind of happened for us. Right. And for my family, we, we never, my, my mother, father never learned and knew anything about, you know, the process of getting their kid to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a learning experience for, for my whole family. And I think once it happened for one of us, we all kind of started right. to learn from it. Right. So yeah, once that first, once that first family member takes the first step, then it becomes something that's real. Hey, if, if he did it, I can do it. Um, and then you start thinking about, okay, so I can take my game to the next level. What happens next? What do you do as a lacrosse player to start thinking like, okay, if my brother can do it, I can do it. How do I get myself good enough to play at the next level? What, what, uh, what's your process there? I, I think, you know, really looking back at, I guess, my childhood and, and that whole process, that whole process of, of taking your game to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I can't speak on, on behalf of, you know, all of my brothers or, or even everyone. But for me, I think it was just kind of in me. My, my competitive nature was kind of what took me to the next level because I, mm-hmm. I wasn't going out training or anything like that. I wasn't... Um, you know, stepping in my backyard and have a had a routine I had to do. Mm-hmm. I was practicing a bunch, though. You know, mm-hmm. I was. You know, I didn't look at it as training, but I I was so in love with the game that every single morning I would wake up, I'd grab my stick. Well, I'd get ready for school. I'd grab my stick, and I'd run outside and I'd play for mm-hmm. probably ten to fifteen minutes. Our bus drove up. We have a long driveway, and our bus had had to drive up our driveway, I mean, up our road, and it yeah. had to turn around to, because it had to come back down the hill. Mm-hmm. And when I seen the bus go past the driveway, I would run inside, throw my stick inside, and tell mm-hmm. my brothers the bus is here, and mm-hmm. we'd run up the driveway. But then after school, um, I would play lacrosse until it was dark out, and my mother would have to force me to come in. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating that. You know, my mother will tell you um, all the stories about me. She's, she always kind of talks about stuff like that. She thinks it's funny to talk about now. Yeah. Um, because of the success I've had. And mm-hmm. she was able to kind of watch it all and, and see, you know, why I am the, the player I am today. Um, mm-hmm. But I would honestly, every single day, I think I'd play probably three hours of lacrosse. Mm. Yeah. 
as a kid. So, and sorry, go yeah. ahead. And I think just just bouncing off of that, you know, obviously I was in love with the game, but I still had practices. I still go to practice, mm-hmm. and I didn't like losing. Um, hmm. So anytime I lost, or even if it was didn't have nothing to do with lacrosse, it was just a race in practice. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the fastest guy, um, hmm. and I didn't like not being the fastest guy. If I if I if I did lose a race, I would. I would kind of go home and and start running, like try to make myself faster, <laughs> uh, with no r- real technique to it. I would just kind of do it, and that's huh. all it was with with just the skill part of lacrosse. Hmm. Looking at my my minor teams, there was a handful of guys that were definitely more skilled than me. That was James Cathers, who went to Syracuse and and kind of dropped out during the fall time, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, one of my cousins that I grew up playing with and another another kid named Troy Benedict who um, they were all really skilled lacrosse players and they still play the game today. But I think um, it bothered me enough that they were, I knew they were more skilled than me mm-hmm. for me to go out and, and make sure I could up my game to the level mm-hmm. of theirs. So, so for you, this was all it, it's all driven by a competitive spirit and just your love for the game, right? Like you wanted to be the best on the field, but it doesn't sound like you were doing anything regimented. Um, meaning like, you know, I go to the wall at 8am and then I, you know, go for a run at 10 or anything like that. It was all just, I love the game. I want to be the best. I'm just going to continue to play and play and play and play until I am the best out there. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And did you, did you play any other sports at this age or was it all just focused on lacrosse? No, I played, I played right from basically when, when my parents put us into organized lacrosse, they Mm -hmm. put us into, um, they kind of let us decide what we wanted to do. But I, I chose basketball and I ran cross country. Um, Mm -hmm. Jeremy did, Jeremy just did cross country. Heine did basketball, and Miles did hockey. Um, hmm. But yeah, we we were same thing. Same thing goes for those sports. I was really competitive, and every single one of those sports, I practiced a lot. Hmm. And um, I did get bored of lacrosse. You know, even though I did like the game, you know, I was in love with the game. Yeah, I remember, you know, coming home. Like I said, we didn't have. You know, when I came home, all I had was sports. I didn't have, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have running water. Hmm. Um, so I had nothing to do inside. Hmm. I would grab my, I would grab whatever, get my, my, whatever I needed to go outside and I'd play um, a sport and it was usually lacrosse. But I do remember getting bored of, of my routine of, of just going out and shooting and acting like I was playing in a game. Right. Um, and switching it up and playing basketball. Um, hmm. So I think, you know, even though I talk about being, you know, crazy in love with the game and, and um, always practicing it, I, you know, as a kid, it, you need you need to other sports. That's why I kind of right. always push um, multi-sport athletes because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it builds skills in other areas, but, but also it gives you a break. Right, right. Yeah, I, I always felt when... 
you know, whenever I go for like a three or four month stretch of just playing lacrosse, I would take a break for basketball, you know, to play basketball, say for a month or a few weeks or whatever just felt right. And whenever I went back to lacrosse, I actually felt like I was better at lacrosse because I was taking that break. Right. Did you feel the same? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Right. Right. So, um, you touched on a, on, a, on a question I wanted to ask when you were playing lacrosse in your backyard um, or, uh, you know, after school, what did that look like? Um, it sounds like you were just trying to simulate a game experience as much as possible. Is, is that right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, to think back, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but, but as a kid, you have a huge imagination and, mm-hmm. Um, this will probably sound crazy. I've, the only people who know this about me is, is my family. But um, I would I would set up these little, like if I just played in a tournament mm-hmm. um, and wherever most of the tournaments were in Canada that I played in and we lost, I would set that same tournament up on paper hmm. and I would make it so we won. Um, so my team won in, in the tournament and I'd go play that in the backyard, but only using my imagination. So, um, and I hated when my brothers came out and played with me because I was in the middle of these imaginary tournaments, which was crazy. <laughs> so basically, so, I, go ahead. I, I remember miles would come out, um, with a ball and he'd, he'd actually ask me to play, but like, can I, can I come out and play with you? Uh-huh. And, I wouldn't even answer him. I would just toss him my ball and I would go inside <laughs> <laughs> because I was in the middle of something. But right, right. That was a crazy part of my, my childhood and, and how I practiced. <laughs> so you're just, you're in the backyard essentially just visualizing the tournament that you just played, except everything's coming out your way. Is that right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I get to dictate who goes to the championships and everything. Right. <laughs> um, so, so cool. So l- let's move on uh, to your time in college. What made you decide on Albany? Um, I mean, I think, I think going back just to talk a little bit about the whole process and, mm-hmm. and what people, you know, see as, as why we went to Albany nowadays um, you know, a huge part was just the style of, mm-hmm. of play we knew they had because we've never really watched Albany. We watched him go to Syracuse. Right. Um, one, I remember watching that game. I think it was the year Mikey Powell like made a dude trip trip on the back of the net. Um, <laughs> but we knew the style just by talking to Coach Marr and at the time. Um, Bill Ralph was a coach. He was the one who recruited us, Bill Ralph. Okay. And um, he was kind of the main, our, our main contact, the, the main person we were talking to at the time. So a lot of people think it was Coach Marr. Yeah. Um, it was actually Bill Ralph. And we actually, you know, we grew a pretty good relationship with, with both of them um, in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, it was just the relationship we had right from the start with them. We liked mm-hmm. the way they made us feel, um, the confidence they it sounded like they had in us. Obviously, when recruiting, um, 
you know, I know that now that a lot of coaches are, are going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, but I think we trusted that. We trusted, we trusted them. And mm. looking at the bigger picture too, um, the options, the other options, it was, it was basically Syracuse, Hofstra, Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. And Syracuse wasn't recruiting us hot. They weren't recruiting us like other schools were. Mm-hmm. And when I say Austin, me and Miles, um, this was a group decision. We would never, you know, we, it was never a thought in our mind that we were going to split up. So, huh. so if you didn't recruit Miles, I wasn't thinking about going to the school you were recruiting me for, which was the case for a lot of schools. Right. A lot of schools were trying to recruit me without Miles. Huh. Um, and you know it was it was an easy it was an easy move on for me. Yeah. Um, but those were those were the four schools: Albany, Syracuse, Hofstra, and Maryland, mm-hmm. that were recruiting me and Miles. And mm-hmm. honestly, Syracuse wasn't really recruiting us. Right. It was it was more so we just wanted to go there because my brother went there and it was home. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't want to move away from home. Right. Um. But. I know for Miles, what he was looking at is if he went to Syracuse, he wasn't going to get any playing time. He would just be on the sideline for four years. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what was going through his his thought process. Right. So the next next step was I want to go to a school where Miles can play and I can play and we can have fun playing. And, And honestly, we didn't think nothing about the championship, you know, that was never a thought in our mind that we wanted to go to college and, and win a championship. It was basically, we just wanted to go to college and play lacrosse. Hmm. Um, and we ended up choosing Albany because like I said, the style they play. And I think a huge part of it was just how close it was to home. It was only two hours from home. And right. And we weren't big, big on moving away from, away from home. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the, the, the big factors, it sounds like, um, you know, one, sounds like you had a good relationship with the coaching staff. Um, two, it was close to home. But three, it was a style of lacrosse that's going to allow you to enjoy playing lacrosse while you're in college. Is that basically uh, to sum up your thought process? Yeah, 100%. Right. right I think right. Uh, and did you feel like it was a fit right away that that first semester when you got there? Um, were you happy with the decision? Honestly, I don't. I didn't. You don't know what to expect. You can't say like, you know, I'm going to come here and and you don't know what the right feeling is. Um, right. So my freshman year, I played midi. I. You know that fall, I had freedom. I had the freedom to play how I how I wanted. So mm-hmm. yeah, to answer your question, I think I did feel it was it was the right fit. But after mm-hmm. after the season happened, um, the one thing Eric Wolf was was our offensive coach, and it was his first year. So so I think a lot what I'm seeing with a lot of first year coaches is that they wanna. Um, you know, they want to make sure they're heard. Um, right. And the one thing with, with me and Miles, we didn't have the best relationship with him from the, from at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think going on my freshman year, I guess I kind of looked at that and, and I blamed it for not having, having as much fun as I could be having. Hmm. But um, obviously when you look back on things, he, he taught me a lot. He, he held me accountable for things. Right. And um, it didn't help that we weren't winning. I think we, right. I'm not even sure our record that year, but I know it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that was the biggest biggest thing um, my freshman year mm-hmm. so it made me feel like I didn't make the right choice to go to Albany because mm-hmm. because I wasn't I wasn't happy I wasn't happy with the system I was playing I wasn't being you know I'm, obviously it's a wake up call for a high school player who's dominating the high school game to right. go into college and and to you know, not be the man. Um, so that was the case for me. Uh, I went yeah. in freshman year. Some games I, I didn't play much. Hmm. Um, I did face-offs that year too, um, which yep. gave me a couple injuries. But hmm. uh, at the end of the, by the end of the year, the year started off bad. But by the end of the year, um, coaches were giving me confidence. Coach Wolf and Coach Marr were were putting the ball on my stick. Hmm. in tight situations in the game right? Um, that I was uncomfortable with. I didn't expect the ball. Um, yeah. And I think their process was building confidence in me. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I think that really helped me as a player um, and helped me build confidence. But, you know, I think um, after that year, I looked back and, and – I knew I wasn't as good as I, I could have been and, and I wanted to be better. So I made sure to, to kind of train for that and get ready for the next season. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I want to talk about that because so your freshman year, um, you did start out at midfield and you had, you had 38 points, which is a solid freshman year, especially at midfield. Um, however, this was, if my research is right, this was your last season with less than a hundred points. Um, obviously moving back to attack as a sophomore, um, definitely helped, but you basically tripled your output from freshman to sophomore year. What happened between those two years? What did you do to make such an impressive, such a big jump? Um, well, one, I think it's a little bit off of piggybacking off of freshman year um the confidence i built i think going into freshman year i could have had a better year um mm-hmm. and when when i look at it the biggest difference was my confidence the confidence i had and mm-hmm. the process that went through with that was coach wolf and coach mar instilling that confidence in me um to you know play how play how i play mm-hmm. and and I think the biggest, another big thing, my sophomore year was the fact that I was playing with Miles and Ty on attack, hmm. um, which helped build chemistry and just made things a lot easier. You know, I get right. credit for a lot of the points, but a lot of them were just me throwing the ball to Miles and Miles or Ty and then making, hmm. you know, crazy plays for that. Yeah. Um, but the ball's in my stick a lot more that year, and mm. I played a position that 
I wasn't familiar with, mm-hmm. but I can't say I wasn't familiar with playing the role. I was, but I wasn't familiar with playing the position, dodging right. from behind the net. Um, but I came more comfortable. I got more comfortable doing it, and mm-hmm. a lot of help from from Coach Mar and Miles, kind of helping me understand what works from behind the cage. Right. Um, I never used to be the Dodger I am today. If you watch me play today, I use my body a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get into a defender. That never used to be me. I used to be, you know, the classic split dodge, um, use my speed, use my quickness, right. and make up there. But um, that year, you know, I started off in fall ball, and Miles would always tell me, I was always making decisions too fast. I would dodge quick, and, and I would make a pass right away I'd run myself into trouble run myself into doubles um, and he was telling me I have to slow things down and I have to use my body a little more I have to take advantage of, of the six foot pole that mm-hmm. the defenders use and, and get into him take that mm-hmm. six, foot, six foot pole away um, right. and those are things I started to practice and, and Coach Mara always told me to kind of just move my feet um, and he also encouraged me to to get into my defender and make plays from there with yeah. our offense moving everything from that. Right. But, um, you know, that was, those were those were the big things, I think. Right. Confidence, comfort, chemistry, and and um, just building, learning the position. Right. So what, what do you think led to um, that confidence? I, I guess on both ends, right? Because in, in order for you to develop the confidence – the coaches had to had to develop a confidence in you, right? They don't just they don't just one day decide, hey, we're going to put the ball in your stick. Um, what did you do either during practice or you know other times that you think earned their confidence so that they were giving you the ball towards the end of the season, your freshman year, um, into your sophomore year, where you basically had the ball the whole time. Um, I mean, uh, honestly, you know, looking at my freshman year, um, I think it was, I don't know for sure, um, but Mm -hmm. I I think looking at the process, I think Coach Marr and Coach Wolf wanted to make sure they knew I was the future of the program and they wanted to make sure that I could, um, I could be the future of the program, so they had to instill mm-hmm. this confidence in me uh, right. because I, I don't I was I was a really confident player, um, and by doing so, it I think it really helped me. Mm-hmm. And that summer, I played in the World Games in in Finland with Team Iroquois, and I played a little bit of attack there, but I think that also helped me because um, I was playing with all guys my age. And, and even younger because I was one of the older guys on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that summer I built a lot of confidence, confidence because I was playing guys my age, but I was also playing at a high level. Um, right. It was the first time we were Team, U- team USA. We gave Canada a pretty good game too. Um, but I was playing at a high level in that tournament, and mm-hmm. I played well. Um, so I think going off of that, going in, it gave me some confidence knowing that bringing me kind of back to reality where 
um, I have to know that that I'm a I'm a good lacrosse player, uh-huh. and I'm capable of of kind of being the man, because I I guess looking back, I always was. Uh-huh. My father was always my coach, so he was always the one to kind of put the ball in my stick, and um, I was never. I feel like as a kid, I was never confident in and actually making the big play. Um, the ball would always start in the and, and and somewhere else. But my freshman year, when, when Coach Marr, I remember the Hartford game, I we were we were tied to win the game. Um, mm-hmm. End of the play, we saw the timeout, and he runs a play up for me to make the play. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't score, and we go into overtime and he does the same thing. We get the ball and he does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, it was a dodge from the side, from the, from the half boards on the wing, the right wing. And I came under, I drew a slide. I drew, I dragged both of my slides, my guy and the slide to X. And I made a feed and Ty ended up scoring the, the game winning goal. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that moment right there was, was a huge step for me. And this was my freshman year. This is when um, things basically start turning around my right. freshman year, and we did make the American East Championship. So um, I started to play a bigger role after that because mm-hmm. I think I was playing with a lot more confidence. And I always stress this too. Um, anytime kids ask for advice, I talk about confidence because it's something that's made a huge difference in my game. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, I know the importance of confidence and. and how it can really take your game to the next level. And mm-hmm. I think that moment was a huge moment for me, and it really helped me kind of move forward with the confidence I had in myself and knowing the confidence coaches and my teammates had in me. Right, right. And, and it sounds like – it sounds a little bit like that that confidence was developed, you know, by repetition and, and almost not being afraid to fail. I mean, you know, you mentioned you you had that first play – where, you know, Coach Marr drew up that first play where you didn't score. Um, then later on in, uh, you know, later on in the quarter or later on in overtime, you, they give the ball right back in your stick. Even though, you know, it, uh, the ball didn't end up in the, in, the, in the net the first time, they still give it to you. They still trust you to go and make the play. And you end up do making that play. And that's sort of just what is what gives you the confidence to say, hey, I can do this. I can do this over and over again. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, so one question for you based on, you know, you said that, uh, you know, w- when you were a sophomore and when you, you know, first started playing attack and you were going against a long pole behind the cage, one of the things that you did was you, you learned to use your body a little bit more. Was that basically just repetition in practice or what were some of the, how, how did you learn how to do that? That's, that's not particularly an easy thing to learn, especially late in the game. Um, yeah, I think it was, pra- I mean, a huge thing was practice. You know, we're practicing every day in, in, um, in college and at Albany. I'm not sure where, how, what it's like at other schools, but we played a lot. Like we, we scrimmaged a lot. We played six on six a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this I think that helped me get a lot of reps and 
everything was competition. So, um, like I said, back to back to how competitive um, I was, or, or I still am. Um, you know, and I, I was so used to when things came down to a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me not wanting to lose, I wanted to. It became a thing where I wanted the ball in my stick, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make a play. Um, so. I became comfortable with that, but I think, you know, another thing that helped me was the fact that my brother was there with me and he was always kind of being a coach for me. And throughout my sophomore year, because my sophomore year wasn't full of that, I didn't, I don't think I was really good at that myself, my sophomore year. Um, I became a better body dodger Mm -hmm. my junior and senior year. Um, and I think that came from just coaching, coaching through all my coaches, Coach Coach Wolf, Coach Marr, my father, my older right. brothers. Um, you know, I had a lot of people watching me, and that's kind of how my family is. is mm-hmm. Regardless of how good you play, I have something to coach coach you at the end of the game. Right. Uh, and that's how my dad was after every game, and, and especially my brother, Heine. Mm-hmm. Um. He he was another part of the process on teaching me how to how to use my elbows and how to use my hands while I'm dodging um, mm-hmm. without it being bored. But you know the the classic move where you can push the defender off your hip or make him slide up your shoulder. Um, right. Those are two moves I learned from my my brother Heine. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of told me I had to take advantage of and and I did. I practiced them in practice in game situations. Mm-hmm. So, so basically after every game that you played, you essentially had your own personal coaching staff reviewing your performance, telling you, Hey, here's where you can get better. Here's something I noticed that you might need to work on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I was, I was kind of a, kind of a big film guy. Um, hmm. this time. once I, once I became, uh, I wasn't in freshman year. Um, sophomore year was when I really kind of got into to watching film. I hmm. had a bad game. Um, a defender kind of tore me apart from from Yale, and I watched film on him and seen I, I seen what I did wrong. I seen a lot of things he did right, and and um, after that, I kind of started to to watch my opponent before every game. So, so what did uh, if you can talk about that a little bit? What what do you, what did a film session look like? Was it mostly you reviewing an upcoming opponent, or was it a lot of you looking back at a previous game to see what you can do better, or or both? Um, it was more it was more so me looking at the opponent, mm-hmm. um, watching his tendencies, watching seeing the type of defender he was. And over the years, it, it was basically, you know, there wasn't a bunch of structure to it. I just mm-hmm. want to see basically their tendencies. Um, you know, if they're a big stepper, if they were a big cross checker, if they like to get into their body, if they're a takeaway defender, mm-hmm. just little things like that are things I wanted to know. Right. Um, but then going into getting into, you know, deeper into my seasons even my senior I feel like my senior year I kind of 
I kind of stopped that because we kind of had this attitude on our team. Um, on for I, I it was, guess it was for the whole offense. It was mm-hmm. kind of like I'm not gonna curse here, but f you, stop up. <laughs> that was our attitude. It was gotcha. It was um, we don't care what kind of defense you have. We don't mm-hmm. care about your system, regardless of who we play. Um, we're sticking to our, our system and right. we'll see you stop it basically. Mm-hmm. And I kind of adopted that attitude going into my senior year where I kind of stopped watching film. Um, and now, nowadays I just, my main focus is I want to know if this guy, I break, I break defenders up in two ways. Mm-hmm. He's either good at playing box across players or he's good at playing field lacrosse players. And I play my style based off of what they're good at. So, for an example, um, let's say let's say Matt Landis or Hossett, Graham Hossett. Um, those are two de- defenders I struggled with. I struggle with. Mm-hmm. And they're really good at playing the body. They're really good at when I, when I get into their body, they're good. Right. I'm playing their, their strengths. Yeah. Um, and so my attitude when going against them is, all right, they're good at playing the box across style of me. I have to use my feet. I have to use my speed. I have to mm-hmm. use my athleticism and make a play that way. Um, right. And then there's defenders like. Tucker Durkin or Joe Fletcher, um, those two guys. I think they're they're um, kind of the opposite. I struggle with both of them. I'm not. I'm not saying I. They're still really good defenders. Um, I don't. It's not easy to just take advantage of any defender. But mm-hmm. those are my examples, I guess. Right. Where right. I'm able to kind of use my body, get into them, um, and take advantage of them that way um mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i break my defenders up nowadays right um throughout the years what i realized was watching too i'd watch too much film and i'd worry about too much things and i'd stop playing my style of lacrosse right gotcha gotcha so so you essentially you will you'll adjust your play based off of the defenseman that you're going that you're going against if they're if there's somebody who's physical and can play the body, you're gonna you're gonna move around a lot. You're gonna be you know a little quicker on your feet. But if there's somebody who's a good outdoor player that um, you know can run with you and maybe throwing slaps and things like that, you're gonna try to focus on all right. Let me bring this guy. Let me get into this guy's body um, and play him that way. That's how you're thinking about it. Yeah, and and just to kind of it's not for me it's not a completely different style. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, I'm changing things up a bunch. I'm just playing at a different speed Um, because where I'm comfortable playing is basically slowing things down. And I don't want to, I don't want to score the goal. I want to make the feed um, Mm. because I feel like that's easy. You know, sometimes I'll do is jog up to five and five, a slide comes and all I have to do is feed the ball. Um, Mm. But sometimes what I have to do is run up to five and five and make a couple of hitch dodges 
and then I have to feed the ball. That's the difference, I think. Right. Um, the way I'm dodging. It's not. It's not like I'm changing my style completely. I'm just, I guess, changing my pace. Gotcha, gotcha. And 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 is this? Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that uh, some of the feedback that you got was that you know you're making, um, you're making decisions too fast. Are, are these things that you figured out? when you were trying to improve your uh, approve upon that part, um, you know, where you're trying to figure out how to, how do I slow down? How, how am I more under control? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, right. Yeah. And just reading, reading defenders. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said before, some, some defenders, I, I learned that you kind of want to know their go-to mo- moves. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, there's not too much to worry about. Right. Um, and I don't need I don't need it, but I just think it, it really helps to you know, nowadays we have film and it makes things so much easier to to learn. Right. Learn the game, learn about right. yourself really. That's that's one of the biggest things is right. be able to watch yourself and and even see some of the tendencies you have, some of the bad tendencies you have mm-hmm. and you know, eliminate them. Right. Right, yeah, the technology's there, you might as well take advantage of it. Um, so, so uh, this question I have to ask, so your, uh, you know, 2014, um, you know, you, you mentioned, um, one of the major things that you, uh, that was basically a non-starter for you was if, uh, if a school was gonna, was gonna take miles, um, or is going to be a school that miles was, was going to be able to attend. So in 2014, uh, both you and miles, were uh the Torton trophy winners um and on top of that you two were the if i did my research right you two were the first native americans to win the award can you talk about that moment i mean how unbelievably special must that must that have been you know this is a this is a game that native americans created you guys are the first one to win that award and you're winning it together as brothers can you talk a little bit about that moment yeah, I mean, um, whenever I think about the moment, I think about um, when when I was up on stage, when our name got announced, and mm-hmm. um, kind of kind of just sharing the moment with him, um, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a it's an extremely happy moment for me, um, mm-hmm. probably probably the best lacrosse moment in, in my life. Um, but I think, I think the reason it was such a huge moment is because I never expected them to give two people the award. Um, so, so in my head, they were either going to give it to the highest point scorer in division one or the highest goal scorer in division Mm -hmm. one. Um, when I'm standing up on stage, and and then they call our names and you know my my whole family i think there's like 24 of us right Um, my grandparents my family my kids my parents sitting in the front row and you know basically all of them are crying before we even we even grabbed mike um wow so really and and miles spoke first so uh, i'm sure he wasn't looking at our family um so when he when he spoke, I'm looking at my family. I'm watching them all cry. I'm right. joy, and 
and uh, then it was my turn, my turn to talk, and and I held myself together, as you could, as you <laughs> see on the video. For the most part, I think everyone, I thought, you know, that was important to to the whole process of making us the people we we were, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, what I said. A lot of people ask me what I said at the end. So Guayant Diso, which means our creator. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's the creator. He's our God, basically. And mm-hmm. once I said that, I kind of just thought about everything. Um, thought about everything I had, the opportunity that I got to play with my brother um, right. at this level, and, and to be standing, you know, on that stage with him. You know, it was my first time winning the award, and you know, at the same time, I'm I'm standing up there with my brother, and it was. It was a dream come true. Right. It was something we did. We did say it on a video, like an American East interview or something, mm-hmm. um, how cool it would be for us to, to share that award. Wow. But we never, never actually thought it. I never actually, like, yeah, I said it. Mm-hmm. It would be cool. It was like a dream that would never happen. But I never actually believed that it could happen. Um, mm. Once it did happen, it was... It was a it was an emotional moment, but but definitely, you know, one of the best lacrosse moments in my life. Right. And I think it'll be right up there forever. That's yeah. That's that's unbelievable, unbelievable. So so let's uh you know I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but let's talk about you know what you do today. Um, you know, playing in the MLL and in the NLL. Um, you know, I I don't know. I've never played in the ML, uh in the NLL, so I, I don't know how much time the teams actually get to practice together. But I know the MLL, it's only once or twice a week if you're lucky. Um, you know, during the summer, during the, um, you know, during the season, what do you do to, to stay at the top of your game? What does your day look like now? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I have a pretty – my routine changes um, because of my kids, really. Mm-hmm. But – uh but every do every the times change, the routine doesn't really. Um, you know, every day I wake up, I, I have breakfast with my kids and and um, make them breakfast. Make sure it's a it's a healthy breakfast. Stay away from cereals and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're basically they're basically on the same diet I'm on, so um, I think that's good. They kind of help me with everything. Right. Um, but. I, I go to the gym. My workouts are usually around two hours. Um, I come home. I, I do some some work as far as Thompson Brothers lacrosse work, um, setting things up, setting events up, setting camps up, creating product, um, stuff like that. And um, once I'm done with that, I usually put my phone on airplane mode and try to spend as you know right around two hours with my kids. Um, whether it's just hanging out in the in the house together or you know doing something out and about but that's what my routine basically looks like every day Um, family time work time and and, and gym time gotcha gotcha it sounds like a like a a pretty great split Um, so real quick I I have to ask you mentioned what your diet, what, what is your, what is your diet? You're mentioning your kids are on the same diet as you. 
What diet is that? I mean, I've I've bounced around from from diets mostly because of uh, you know my brothers, two older brothers, Heine and Miles are always on a diet. They're always on mm. like keto or paleo or vegan or they're on something. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> and I touched I touched up on those a little bit. I couldn't do it, but um, mm-hmm. basically, basically what I do is is I make sure I make sure what I eat is is real as close mm-hmm. to real as possible right and and um I'm, I'm not saying i'm on a super strict like you know if i if i i'll have fruit that has a bunch of sugar on it that's kind of my weakness is sugar mm-hmm. um i try to stay away from candy mm-hmm. um i i only drink water i've been right. so five years since i've had a soda um mm. But that's one of my main focuses is basically getting the, into good habits and right. being healthy. I guess the goal is to be able to to not crave, to not want, you know, unhealthy foods like chips or candy or anything that's, like I said, not real. So right. um, my breakfast consists of like cream of wheat, oatmeal, eggs, mm-hmm. uh, mostly eggs, a lot of eggs. Mm-hmm. My is consist of like uh, some protein, a lot of veggies, and some fruit. And then my dinner's very similar to my lunch, just a little bit bigger. Right, um, right. But gotcha. you know, I'm not, I'm not super strict on on a diet. I do, you know, when I travel, I I let loose a little bit. I I uh, whenever I'm That's traveling, hard. and I travel a lot with MLL and NLL and Thompson Brothers across, so. Um, it's always tough to eat on eat eat healthy on the road, right? Um, especially when you're in a when you're when you're in a good routine at home. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I stay pretty healthy. I want my kids to be able to um, know what they're eating and know what's in their food. So I try to make cook as much as I can, um, right? And make sure, make sure um, it's it's semi healthy even if I throw steak sauce on something or ketchup mm-hmm. on something. Um, for the most part it's it's semi healthy. Right. Yeah, it sounds like your your diet is pretty similar to mine. I mean I mean, I never focused on diet until my dad got sick, uh, you know, my last year of college where, you know, I never paid attention to it at all and all of a sudden it became one of the most important things uh to me. Um, but similar to what you're saying, I, um, you know, I focus on, on, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be real food. I think the biggest thing that I've done is you got to learn how to cook. Um, and, uh, and then the, the water, like you mentioned is, uh, is a big change. If you just cut out all like, you know, the the sports drinks or the sodas or whatever, it'll make, it'll make all the difference in the world. Um, yeah, I, uh, just on the water thing, I made a tweet a while back about, uh, don't mix, don't, don't mistake the water, don't mistake, um, hydration with hunger. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of feedback on it and, and, you know, it really made me think about, you know, how much, cause I drink, I drink over, you know, I carry around one of those buckets, makes me look like a hard old, but, um, <laughs> they have, they, and you want it it's it's hydrating it's what's hydrating yeah. but i think the biggest thing it does for me is 
it eliminates my cravings and it yep. makes me feel full all day. Yeah. Um, because I'm full, I'm full of water and yeah, I pee, uh, 20, 20 times a day, but I think it's, <laughs> it really keeps me on track. And, and if I forget my, my jug somewhere, um, right. things, things get tough for me. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I, my big thing when it come, whenever someone asks for advice on, on dieting, first step is eliminating, you know, don't drink your kales and, and start off by just drinking a ton of water. Right. Yep. First thing, first thing every day, a glass or two or water right when you wake up makes, makes all yeah. the difference in the world. Um, so, so the next thing you said, uh, you mentioned, um, you know, you go to the gym for about two hours. Uh, can you talk about that? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, again, um, things are changing. My thing with, with the, with working out is, I mean, one, I didn't start working out until my senior year of college. Um, hmm. You know, once you get into college, you usually, you work out with the team. For me, I don't know why, but I always got away with just kind of chilling with everyone in the gym hmm. at school. Right. And I never, I think a big part for me was I was embarrassed um, hmm. because I couldn't, I couldn't lift a lot of weight. Um, you know, a lot of everyone on the team was, you know, benching a bunch of weight, squatting a bunch of weight, doing all this stuff with, with, you know, two plates on there. Um, and for me, I wasn't even close to that, you know, especially right. with, with the clean, the hand clean. Um, I hated doing those because everyone was doing mad weight and I'm sitting over there with like 90 pounds on my thing. Right. So, <laughs> you know, probably less. I'm not sure, but, right. um, so my freshman, sophomore, junior year, I I don't think I touched much weights. Um, hmm. But I was big on I was big on body weight stuff, and I was big on flexibility. I always I always kind of took a lot. I always stretched a lot and made sure, you know, I was feeling good um, right. before I got to practice or or workout. So I'd stretch a lot. I think a lot of that came from you know cross country. I was. I took cross country serious and I knew that was a huge part. Um, mm-hmm. It was part of our travel team anyways, as a kid. Um, but nowadays, you know, it's been, I've been going through a, a big learning process. I think I got a really good grasp on things now. Um, and for the most part, I'm focusing on, on you know, longevity. Um, I'm learning from, from a lot of professional athletes, a lot of pod listening to podcasts and, and that's what that's what these guys are doing to make sure their careers are long, make sure they can last through their careers, and you're not right. You're 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 doing workouts that prevent injury, that keep your mm-hmm. your joints strong, and and um, I guess my focuses are mobility, stability, strength in that order. Um, gotcha. And it's not. You know, at first it was it was always bodybuilding. It was heavy weights. I wanted to get bigger, stronger, um, faster. That was my attitude. And I had a couple injuries. I I tore my labrum. Um, hmm. I have my I have hip problems, and I hyperextended my elbow, which bothers me a lot. So a lot of my stuff now um, is basically focused on on being mobile um mm-hmm. and anytime I weights i make sure 
I make, I make sure I'm doing it slow and controlled. I'm still getting a burn. Um, but nowadays I used to, I used to go off of different, um, bodybuilding plans or workout plans. Right. Um, in the NLL, our trainer gives us a plan, but nowadays I write my own stuff up because I think it's, I think, you know, I know enough about working out. I know enough about training that I'm going to do things that are going to be, that are going to benefit my lacrosse game. Um, that help me last as long as I want to last. And I want to play and tell them, you know, I want to play as long as I can really, um, be able to play the style I'm playing. I don't want things to change as far as me turn into a different player, because obviously you see it in different sports. You know, you look at like Vince Carter, obviously the dude's not as mobile as he used to be or can't jump as high or, Right, you know that, um, or you, you know, a lot of a lot of even lacrosse players, John Tavares, who I grew up watching. Um, obviously, his style changed with mm-hmm. age, but I think he's a great example of he he made sure he was in good enough shape, and mm-hmm. his ability was there. His, you know, he was he's very mobile, um, so that's why, in my eyes, he's able to. He was able to play until he was 43 years old or however old yeah. he was. Um, and I want to have a similar career. Um, uh-huh. right. you know, I love the, the passion. I don't think will ever go away. Mm. So I'm going to do what I need to do. Training-wise, I know that most of this is in the gym and grabbing my stick um, to make sure I have a long career. So can you, uh, you know, you mentioned your focus, uh, you know, especially at the beginning is on mobility. Can you talk specifically, what does that look like? What what sort of things are you doing that's working on your mobility? What sort of exercises? Okay, uh, I got my I got my workout book right here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, so um, I mean a lot of a lot of my focuses are mostly with my legs, keeping my legs mobile, my shoulders mobile. So anything mm-hmm. I do with a bench, I try to do dumbbell. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's ten different types of squats you can do. I do basically all of them, um, uh-huh. and I do throw in heavy weightlifting once in a while. Um, right. But I don't Wait. I don't expect to go up and go up in my max at all, really. Gotcha, gotcha. But wait, what? So what's the date? I, I had I have to ask. You said there are ten different types of squats. <laughs> what? Uh, can you name a few of them? I, I can only think of what's this back squat, front squat, kettlebell squat. I, uh, that's all I got. What are the other? What are the <laughs> other ones? <laughs> well, there's a single leg squat. Okay. There's a sumo squat. Mm-hmm. There's a. Let's see what we got here. I guess I didn't mean to say squat. I meant to see say like a glute. You know, gotcha. glute focus. Gotcha. As far as okay. like, you know, doing Bulgarian split squats, um, doing a deadlift, which is pretty close to a squat. Right, right. Okay, I got gotcha. Lunges, stuff like that. Um, gotcha. Okay. But yeah, those are, you know, those are all things I include in my workouts. Right. I do, I still do a lot of body weight stuff, you know, mm-hmm. push ups. Um, like I said, anything with my chest. Anything dumbbells, I try to stay away from a barbell. Um, right. 
just so I can keep my shoulders mobile with my injury I had. Um, same thing with a roll. Um, I'll just read you off my workout today. Yeah, go for it. It's a back focus day. I got a cable roll, a sumo squat, a T-bar roll, dips. That's one circuit. I do that four sets of 15. Mm-hmm. And then my next circuit is three sets of 15. It's a hip thrust, a preacher curl, and an angle pull. And then my last circuit is two sets of 15. Um, it's abs. I do bicycles for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lunge and I do a kayak grill. That's today's workout. I'll gotcha. be working out with the Hogan Mana coach today. He's been my workout partner the past <laughs> week. That's, that's awesome. So, and you said, uh, your goal here is you're not trying to lift the most amount of weight. You're not trying to increase your max. You're basically just focusing on functional movement. Um, you know, make sure you're pushing yourself, but move slowly and work on the the stabilization basically and strength. Is that right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I just want to make sure I get in the gym and I get a solid sweat and gotcha. Um, solid gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, so two more questions before I let you go. One, what does your, uh, what's a typical pregame routine look like? Let's say it's, uh, it's game day. Um, you know, what's your, what's your day look like? How are you preparing for the game? How are you preparing for the upcoming opponent? Um, what's your mental process beforehand? Walk us through that. Yeah. I mean, um, we wake up, we have, we have a shoot around. Um, they usually give us enough time to, to have breakfast beforehand. Um, a lot of guys do that, but um, I'm not. I'm not usually big on big on hotel breakfasts or anything like that. So I usually just head over to the the field or the rink, and we do shoot around. After shoot around, usually hang out with mingle with the team. Um, I think that's that's actually a huge part of of professional sport, professional lacrosse, really, because mm-hmm. we don't get a bunch of time, we don't get a bunch of time together. So um, right. chemistry is a huge part of any successful team sports. Yep. Team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that time is really important. I think it goes unrecognized. Um, but after that, uh, what a lot of guys do is go take a nap. Um, I find something to do. I usually do some work or I'll go catch a movie. I usually find the local mall, um, walk around that, see if I see anything interesting. And I always grab a watermelon at the closest grocery store. Um, huh. The pregame, pregame ritual of mine, I'm not superstitious or anything, but um, I like watermelon. It fills me up, and I don't <laughs> like to play. I don't like to play on a full stomach, so I'm not trying to eat right. like a meal before gotcha. the game. Um, and watermelon just basically makes me pee a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I usually grab my watermelon, I head back to the room, and... and I get ready. Miles is my roommate in the in the indoor league, and he mm-hmm. usually takes a three hour nap. So, okay, I, that's that's actually the reason I I hit out of the room because he's always in. He's always trying to nap. He likes it cold and dark, and I like it the opposite. Right. <laughs> gotcha. 
And then, and what's your, uh, what's your thought process say? Like, you know, when you're in the locker room, um, are you just trying to relax or are you thinking through the game? What, what, what are you doing in the locker room before you actually go on the field? Um, this is, this is like my favorite part of, of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the, the pregame, the pregame stuff. Um, just get into the locker room and, and it's almost like for me, I have four kids and, and I don't have a worry in the world. Basically, I don't. I I put headphones on. I play music. Other than that, you know, my phone's out of my hands, and I'm getting ready. I'm getting every making the little tweaks. Like I said, I'm not superstitious, but every game I usually tape my retape my stick. Um, I tighten. I make sure I tighten all my my shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, all my you know, so not no knots come undone which usually isn't a problem, but I always do just anyways. Right. Um, so I go take some shots, make sure my stick's, my stick's good, and, and I stretch for, you know, a solid 45 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Just make sure before we even do the team stretch. So I usually roll out in the locker room, stretch with some bands, you know, loosen up my shoulders and my hips. And from there, from there, I'm good. So, um hmm. Nothing, nothing crazy. I keep it pretty simple, but right. Um, like I said it's it's one of my favorite times. Besides actually playing in the game, it's just that that two hours before a game, getting ready for it, being in the locker room with your team. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, listen, um, Lyle, this was great. But before I let you go, uh, there's one question that I've asked everybody who comes on the show. What are three things that everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? Doesn't have to just be lacrosse. Yeah, I think uh, I think one, it's it's making sure it's preparing um, for whatever it is you do. So for me, mm-hmm. it's lacrosse, and my day is. You know, like I said, I'm not in, in an everyday routine where I do the same exact thing every day, but mm-hmm. I'm prepared for for what needs to be done the next day. So um, I think it's just preparing, preparing yourself for, for whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, for me, it's lacrosse. So every day my routine revolves around the game of lacrosse. The things I do revolve around lacrosse. Right. And... Um, I go into my day, personally, for me, I go into my day knowing what I'm going to do the next day. Um, hmm. When I wake up in the morning, I I know what needs to be done, and I, I get it done. Hmm. Um, and I think that's one thing I've I've really learned from, from college um, is time preparation, time management, because I had three kids in college. I had homework to do I had class to be at and I had practice to be at um and on top of that I had treatment treatment that had to be done that sometimes I had put aside um so one number one I think is is just time management um Uh anyone who's who's got their stuff together or is getting their stuff together um they're making sure they're they're managing their time and they're not procrastinating right I think two is health it's it's taking making sure your mind is healthy your body's healthy um that's one thing one thing that really helps me is my culture 
Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of people can't can't relate to that, but I still think um, I'm able to make sure I feel happy um, doing what I'm doing every day. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, there's daily stresses, but I'm able to um, be be optimistic and, and look at the positives in life and. I think really that helps me get things done throughout the day. Right. And I guess the last thing um, kind of piggybacks off of number two there, it's just happiness. Um, Hmm. The most important thing in life is the purpose of life is happiness, Hmm. Um, is the ability to, to be happy, to help people around you, to help people around you be happy. Um, And, you know, without that, nothing, nothing in life will be worth it. Nothing in life is, is fun. So um, if you can practice that and figure out what it is that that makes you happy, I'm sure um, you, can, you can take that and use it to your advantage. Those are, I guess, three things that really help me. Right. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Listen... Lyle, uh, like I said, this was this was a blast. Thanks so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed the conversation. Ho- hopefully, I can meet you face to face one day. Um, but maybe we can get you back on the show uh, another time as well. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host Joe Yavoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Yavoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a traveler club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents game changer team manager is free it's easy to use and it doesn't serve ads learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager until next time keep working and keep getting better